We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Thursday? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Rights Podcast. Today we have introducing a new foot segment that will recur throughout football season. We've got Ryan Buchanan, former MIS legend, Ole Miss quarterback, uh, checking in every, on a weekly basis here on the Rippy Rights Podcast. Today was a little bit of an introductory episode. We talked about what it was like to go through a quarterback battle as Buchanan went through one himself with Chad Kelly. In 2015, uh, Devontae Switchblade Kincaid was also in the mix in that quarterback battle to some degree. I actually didn't include one Switchblade question. I just kind of forgot that he was a part of that whole thing until afterward, and I was looking at some notes, and I was like, oh, that's right. It was technically a three-way battle. Anyway, not relevant or important, but Buchanan's going to be checking in with us every week during football season. I think it's going to become the midweek podcast. That way we can talk about the quarterback play in the game before and also kind of look forward to uh, – what Ole Miss kind of has opponent-wise at quarterback and really just talk about you know the art of quarterback play at all levels. Buchanan is still training guys, so you'll hear that at the end of the podcast um, and kind of his work with that as well. But I just thought it would bring an interesting and different perspective uh, to football this uh, this year. Nothing else is changing. Weldon and I still going on Sunday nights. We'll have something on Friday that will probably become the opponent preview, but I kind of just wanted to improve the experience um, you know, each year, and I thought this was kind of the next thing to add to it. Uh, Gage Buchanan's interest on it, and uh, you know, I was trying to figure out how locked in he was to both like the nuances of football and like how closely he watches it. And he spit out something about Corral on a swing route when I was talking to him, like before we did the show. And I was like, okay, I think this will work out. Um, so yeah, he's pretty in tune with uh, before. Um, you know, I I kind of pitched this idea to him. Uh, we were chatting on the phone a couple of nights ago, and I was kind of trying to get a gauge of that. He immediately spit out remembering Matt Corral doing something with his footwork on a random swing route in 2020. And I was like, okay, think this might work out. think our guy's pretty locked in here. So this was great stuff. I think this first episode was absolutely terrific. I mean, he's a former athlete. He's polished. Like, this was just great stuff all around about what it's like to be in a quarterback battle. So that's what you got coming down the pipe during the midweek um for football season i'm pretty fired up about it we'll ease him into it maybe do one more two more shows before the season gets going and then start the weekly segment so i'm pretty fired up buchanan's been a childhood friend of mine for a while and uh i'm glad we could kind of make this happen 
been a childhood friend of mine for a while. That doesn't make any sense. Been a friend of mine since childhood. I'm no longer a child. Depends on who you ask, I guess. Anyway, before we get to that, I want to remind you, podcast is brought to you by MIMS Insurance. Matt MIMS is an independent insurance agent based in Oxford. He's going to help you find the best rate possible. Everything is expensive right now. Gas is expensive. Food's expensive. Everything. Inflation's at an all-time high. Not a political pod, just a fact of life. You don't need to settle and lose further money and leave money on the table when it comes to your insurance. Matt Mims is an independent insurance agent based in Oxford. His whole job is you call him. He shops your quote around, whatever it is you need insured, house, car, boat. If it's a boat, congrats on your boat. That's pretty sick. Anything you need insured, you tell him. He shops around to 10 different agencies, finds the best price, finds the best fit for you, and boom, job's done. Takes the hassle out of insurance. He's helped so many people across the state of Mississippi. Operations are booming. He just got a little bit of help, hired another agent over there in the uh, in Vicksburg. Things are exploding because people trust Matt Mims, and you should too. He's a good friend of mine. I wouldn't send you to someone I don't trust, wouldn't do business with someone I don't trust. He's going to make getting things insured easy for you. All you have to do is call him at 601 218 7854. That's 601-218-7854. That's his cell phone number. Answers all the time. That is not some uh, you know, automated line he's going to pick up and he's going to help you out. Tell him I sent you. He will get you hooked up. That is MIMS Insurance there in based in Oxford, but all across the state of Mississippi. His reach is from the coast all the way up into the Memphis area. He can help you out. Whatever you may need, go check him out. MIMS Insurance there in Oxford. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. You need to check these guys out. They're the best in the business. Football season is right around the corner. Don't lose money this year. Go on right online right now. Buy the season pass for both the NFL and college football. And profit with Skybox. Make this one an actual fun one. Get a little expendable income going over the next couple months because they're going to lead you to profit more consistently than yourself, your own brain, or anyone else in the industry. You will lose money in the long run unless you go with Skybox. It's pretty much that simple. They hit it 60% on the NFL last year. They're absolutely crushing it in NASCAR. They went plus 34.85 units in a weekend in NASCAR, including a plus 2,500 outright winner a couple weeks ago. Mark Harris and the guys at Skybox NASCAR are crushing it. And pretty soon for Skybox customers, NASCAR is about to come free, become free, just a free part of you signing up. How about that? Free 34-unit weekends on deck for you in the future. They're the best in the business. You need to go to skyboxsportspicks.com, check out the picks package, find the best one that fits your price range. You can try it for a day, week, month, all sports, particular sport. I'd recommend just going with the year-long all-access pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some. And then, boom, you're on the way to watching sports and profiting for a change and not having the bookie text you on Sunday night asking you to square up, adding to your Sunday scaries. You have a couple more days. So through August 17th, you can, any, if you buy a picks package on the site, if you buy the football package or the, or excuse me, if you buy the NASCAR package through August 17th, which it's about to be free, so only a couple days left on that one, you will be entered into a chance to win the NFL and NCAA four-week package for free. So you're going to get a month of NCAA and NFL picks if you're selected in this drawing for free. So before Skybox NASCAR becomes free to the people, you can buy a short four-week pass 
probably get reimbursed on that, and then enter into a drawing to win the NFL and NCAA football packages. Check them out. They're still running the code NATTY for 50% off, and the RIPPY code R-I-P-P-E-E gets you 20% off. Go check them out. If you have any questions, holler at me. They're the best in the business. Skybox Sports Picks. All right, here is Ryan Buchanan. All right, we now welcome on 2012 MIS AAA state champion. Also played at Ole Miss. Decide which one's harder and more important. Ryan Buchanan joining the pod. Uh, as you're listening to this, I've already explained to the people what we'll be doing this year. You'll be a regular uh, weekly contributor on the pod talking some SEC quarterback play, quarterback play as a whole. I'm really pumped about this. I kind of mentioned when I was talking to you, I wanted to do this last year, but just kind of had a lot of stuff going on. When didn't really have the pod planned out well, but I'm glad we're getting to do this, dude. Yeah, man, I'm fired up. Um, I know a lot of people, you know, people that I work with see around town, you know, honestly, they tell me they've listened to Brian Scott's podcast. And then when you called me and, you know, said, do you want to jump on this and get your thoughts and, you know, whatever, watching Ole Miss and different quarterbacks play, you know, on, on Saturdays. I've always wanted to give my thoughts, at least from a fan's perspective, on certain things and 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 kind of what I've seen from training some quarterbacks over the past couple of years. So I'm fired up about doing this. Me as well. We're also a big deal in Europe, thanks to Weldon. We started Soccer Corner, where we basically brought the English Premier League to America. So our number, numbers in like Wales and stuff are just out of control, but they're pretty good in the States. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been up to these days? If the people want to know, I got a text from you like three hours ago about looked like you were pulling out some sort of muddy – uh atv have you just been living in the woods what's been up ever since uh football uh, yeah so i was actually uh I, I got two weeks off so i'm transitioning to another job um in the commercial insurance industry which that, that probably doesn't surprise many people most former athletes somehow tend to end up over there like i remember jake coker uh works for bank corp south i think in, in, in mobile now and went over there i saw someone wrote an article um, I can't remember which publication saying all former athletes somehow get into that business. Uh, so no, I'm, I'm taking another job I had two weeks off and yeah, I see that picture it's because we were supposed to do this a couple hours ago. And I said, um, well, you know, one of my cousins sunk uh, a ranger uh, down by one of our duck holes and we were trying to pull this out and we've been hitting, you know, by a good bit of rain in Mississippi recently. Um, and yeah, so just as most people probably realize things compound and things get worse. It's a butterfly effect. When one thing goes wrong, it seems like everything falls apart. Your battery dies, your winch breaks, you know? So it was one of those deals. So I had a text and be like, Hey, let, let's push this back a little bit to where I can get out of this mud and get back uh, to my place. Yeah, real relatable. I mean, part-time podcaster, I get really upset when the Wi-Fi doesn't work. I mean, that's pretty similar to trying to pull a machine out of some mud. So <laughs> a lot of similarities there. All right, so what a, this is more perfect timing to kind of start this segment as well because, you know, if we had done this last year, Ole Miss didn't have any quarterback issues. Corral was the guy, right? I mean, that's yeah. about as dead set in stone as you can have a job. You went through a quarterback battle yourself that summer and spring of 2015 – and, you know, I kind of watched Kiffin's press conference today. It's much of the same. It doesn't sound like through, I guess there's six or seven practices into camp. It's a little over a week in real time that much progress has been made. And I'm, we'll start here. I'm just curious, when you enter fall camp or preseason camp, what is it like going through a quarterback battle? I talked to Luke Altmaier a little bit for an NIL-related story back in July and he's about as cool as a cucumber. And he was just like, I know it seems stressful, but I really enjoy the process of going to the building every day and just going through everything. 
I don't feel like that's necessarily the typical answer. How stressful is it kind of that day one? You're like, all right, these next couple of weeks are kind of determined my future in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a pretty good assessment. I mean, I think there's one thing you would say to uh, any guy in the press asking you, I mean, I, you know, I was that way. You want to give the right answer and, and then, you know, you don't want to say really too much, but look, then the day it really is, it is your future. Um, you know, if you, if you serve in a backup role um, versus a guy ahead of you like Matt or it's just anybody that is winning games. I mean, when I, when I was at Ole Miss, it came in behind Bo. He was a couple years older than me. When we were beating Alabama, you know, had, had the big run and stuff. And then obviously Chad came in and we competed after that. But it is like, look, you know, you've worked a long time for this. And it's not like you – NSA doesn't allow you to practice all throughout the summer. I mean, you don't have two months of getting all these different reps. Um, so you, you want to make the most out of everything. And, I mean, obviously you, you want to say you don't want to put a lot of pressure on yourself. I mean, I don't think most quarterbacks who play on that level – put necessarily a lot of pressure on yourself, but it's not a, I would say a nonchalant thing. I mean, look, it, it, you know what you work for, you know, all the time and effort and you know decisions you made to get to this point, you want to make the most out of it. So it is, I think it's a very, you know, and Kiffin of course will keep his cars to his chest as most coaches will in this. And, and look, you know, he may not really know yet. I mean, when you go through a practice, you only have a, you know, a couple reps or maybe not reps, but a drive at a two minute drive. And then you get a couple, you know, a couple drives on some live reps at the end. I mean, most guys ask for the whole team. You're working on the, your position. You're working on your craft. You're working on your coverages. So as a quarterback, like getting live reps in a just two week period is pretty darn condensed. So I, I kind of see this as, you know, and, and one thing, too, you know, I, I think typically teams like Ole Miss. I mean, look, look at Alabama. You got five stars on their fourth team, you know, I mean, it's, it's different than some other teams, at SEC, that could be more top heavy with their top guys. So when you get live reps, you know, with your ones, um, you get a man coverage, you know, based on a, on a one high, you get a you guy out there, you know, can win. You want to make the most out of that. You may not get, you know, when you're going against the defense, typically in camp, they're, they're going to have a little bit of the upper hand, you know, like they, they know they've seen these guys, they live in, in their walkers are right right next to each other and so really as i'm just saying get back to the quarterback's perspective you got to make the most out of every rep because two weeks are really condensed time period you don't get it's not like you're scrimmaging for a full day of practice you get about three two or three of those um and the defense does start knowing your plays you know closer to camp i mean i remember bo told me uh bo wallace when i was a backup to him in 2014 he was like it's five times harder going against our defense compared to alabama or lsu I mean, like they, they, they know our routes. They, they've seen it all throughout the year and the year before, and they jump on certain things that they wouldn't normally jump in a game. You know, if you have a deep third zone, you're probably going to cover that. And in practice, you can kind of get a little risky with it for starters on defense. So I, I think, like, from these guys' perspective, it may go in Kevin's perspective. Look, he may name a starter week one. How do you do in that game? Right. I mean, it may go into SEC play. How do you handle a big time SEC atmosphere? Obviously, Ole Miss's schedule is very favorable um, for our first five or six games. Um, but, you know, two weeks is pretty hard to decide. Oh, it's absolutely going to be this guy. I mean, because when you get in the game, you get there's a million things going on in your head. How do you react in good situations and bad situations? When a bad situation ha happens, do you compound that and make it worse? Right. I mean, if someone falls on a route, 
or you make the wrong read, do you take a negative play, or do you learn to toss the ball to balance, get back to the line of scrimmage, whatever that may be. So I think this, if, if he doesn't have a, you know, both these guys are so good in my opinion. I think Jackson and Luke are both very, very high quality quarterbacks. So if, it's going to be tough to decide that by week one in a short two week period. So Kiffin may kind of, I want to say a dual quarterback system, but I'm interested to see exactly how many, you know, with these first couple games, you know, if we come out and perform like we should, just how he mixes up those reps. If it's 75% one guy, 25% another, or 85-15, or is it really 60-40, 50-50? I'm curious to see how that goes on, like, once we get going. You mentioned the practice aspect of it. I find that part of it fascinating because it's two guys that are on the same team that ultimately will want the betterment of the team. But you're also, you know, competing against each other. And I think, you know, a lot of that can be cliche, but I think it's genuinely true with these guys. And it may be in most cases. I know I read somewhere in the spring that, like, Altmaier was the first one to reach out to Dart when he decided to come to Ole Miss and just kind of gave him the, hey, happy you're here, you know, if you need anything, kind of getting introduced, which is a nice gesture. But then, like, when the competition's on, you mentioned the limited reps aspect of it. I imagine when it's a true competition – they're going to try to give you guys equal reps. It's just the limited quantity in total. Like you mentioned, Kiffin had a note today, and I'm glad you mentioned that because I was about to get to that, about how scrimmages are going to weigh huge on actual evaluation. He didn't say that, I don't think, as it pertained to quarterbacks in particular, but you could tell he implied. I mean, that's same thing with everything else. It's particularly huge with quarterbacks. Was that kind of the same way with you? Because I feel like there's only so much you can tell in a practice, whether it's a drill or whatever it is you guys are doing versus that limited time of 11 on 11. Is that really the real evaluation happens? I think it should be. I mean, a quarterback doesn't have to necessarily go live. I mean, I think everyone else can to a degree just to understand the feel pressure in the pocket, um, et cetera. I mean, one analogy that I like using, if you said, you know, if Kiffin is weighing on scrimmages, you know, let's say they give you down, you know, you're down by three. It's, you know, early in the fourth quarter or whatever, up by seven, whatever it may be, you're in the red zone. It's, you know, you got a 40-yard field goal, 30-yard field goal. You get pressure. Something goes bad. Are you trying to force it? Like, are you trying to scramble to the sideline and make a throw slightly across your body to get a first down? Or are you going to toss it out of bounds? The guy that forces it and ends up getting picked, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a huge change of momentum. Now, if you do that, it tips by the defense and the offense catches it in practice. It doesn't matter what that – I mean, their coaches are going to be, oh, man, that's a great play. I mean, wh- whatever. But in reality, if it goes the other way, you get, t- you know, tip two balls and whatever happens when you should have just tossed it, like that's your way a little bit more. And, you know, my, look, my situation I feel like is di- – every guy is different because every coach is different. You know, Kiffin has a lot of – I feel like a little bit more – a ton of coaching experience before Frieza's first year at sure, Ole yeah. Miss. I mean, look at that. He's been in NFL. He's been in other big-time Power 5 schools. Like, the guys, the guy's been around for a good bit. He might have do it, done it differently. Um, you know, when I was there, it's just like, uh, whoever has Chad, get, get first reps, uh, get first-team reps. You get first-team reps, typically go against second-team defense. Second-team offense goes against first-team defense. If you're, that if seems you're a like pretty, a raw deal if you get the it's wrong. Pretty raw. It's great for the defense. makes the defense feel good. But if you're a top-heavy <laughs> team that doesn't have a couple four-star receivers on the second and thirteen depth chart, you know, like that's a man coverage and doesn't win, and that's the read and what you should do. It's, it can make a difference. And, you know, look, I don't know how Kiffin does not I'm not at practice. Um, but I, hopefully they do weigh a little bit more scrimmages compared to 
oh, let's just do red zone. You know, you get six reps, you get two reps, whatever, six and three, just something like that. And it's like your offense, your second team offense misses a, misses a block, you know, goes the wrong way, or he's a freshman blocking for you. It's hard to go downfield. You have to scramble and throw it away. Well, that's an incompletion. Right now it's an incompletion. It's, it's just – it's kind of unfortunate. So I don't know how he's doing it. This is a completely different coaching staff. Um, so, I, look, he has so much experience. He's been around this before. He's been around the block. Like, he's going to evaluate it. He, I hope he does it, like you said, evaluate on the scrimmages, um, how you bounce back when, you do, when something goes wrong, how to make smart decisions when something goes wrong, and just be aware of, you know, at the end of the day, a quarterback does have to be a game manager. I mean, I hate using that analogy, you know, the Greg McElroy Alabama <laughs> analogy. But at the end of the day, you can't you can't take negative plays when you got momentum on a drive. You're going to the red zone. You can't turn the ball over. Just stuff like that um, that I think will, will weigh a lot. And um, I, I think, you know, personally, I think Luke, I haven't seen Jackson. I just went off the spring game, which I think also spring games can be a little skewed. Great for your defense on that because they've been watching what you've been doing the entire spring. Um, but I think Luke is pretty – I think he's a guy that seems very level-headed and will protect the ball and knows the situation. Um, you know, and I think that, that that should weigh pretty heavy of who's going to manage and have the keys to, to the Ferrari in this big offense. That's the that's kind of where I was going next to. That's the fascinating part of what you said earlier about, you know, forcing it into a tight window or versus throwing it out of bounds in practice or a scrimmage in a competition like that. From, you know, everything you can hear them say and everything you can kind of read into, they're trying to bring the – like they're trying to bring the opposite thing out of these other two guys. Dart forced a lot of stuff, and that's kind of how he plays. You didn't see a lot of his mobile and running ability in the limited time he played at USC. And yeah. I thought that was just kind of because he wasn't mobile, but I talked to his trainer back in January, and they're like, no, no, that's not really the case. That like, his meniscus wasn't healthy. Like he tore it and came back and played Gimpy. He's pretty good, like out of structure. And like the, the mobility and his ability to make plays, you know, out of the pocket are actually one of his strengths. Him so far in spring and fall has been taking a lot of chances and it's looked pretty damn good at times. And it's looked really, really bad at times. Whereas Altmaier has been probably conservative slightly to a fault. They, you can tell they're trying to like kind of get him to force the issue a bit more. You mentioned that earlier to where it's like, Oh, if you force it a tight window, even if it gets tipped and caught coaches like, all right, that got through great play. I know there's nuance to every play, but like, do you think one lends itself better to the other in a quarterback competition? Like just being wildly aggressive versus conservative in that finite amount of time make a difference at all? So that's a good question. And there's more to it. So let's imagine you start a drive. Um, you get a first down, you get your second, you know, you get a first down, then whatever. We're, we're on the other, you know, opposing 40. We're about across the 50. You, you run a read option or you throw a swing route, you, you know, you make the right RPO read. Well, now it's second and four. This is time to take a shot, all right? I see man coverage out there. Is that my main read? It's three by one. I could hit a five-yard out. But, my gosh, that safety's in the middle of the field. I'm taking a shot. Great time to take a shot. Third and, you know, second and three, second and four. Now, again, you're in the red zone. Should you force, the, force it when it's, you know, third and ten, you're throwing back across your body? Probably not. So you just got to know when to take those, I would say. And you definitely should. I mean, look, if you have something over the top, 
and you're not throwing a triple coverage, forcing it in a triple coverage, or especially double coverage, you know, whatever it may be, the safety's coming over, may not be a good force. Throwing back across your body in a trap, it gets tipped and you catch it, right? That worked out. But you know what I mean? Like you get a one-on-one situation, you get you get a man coverage, you know, throwing a 40-yard, you know, throw, 40, 50-yard throw, and it's one-on-one, or you don't think the safety can get over there, but you're second and short, great time to do it. So it just depends. Like, I, I think you definitely need to showcase that a little bit, but somewhat be smart about the shots you take and forcing it at the right times. What's it like when being like, obviously they evaluate everything on film. What's it like being in the midst of a competition where you get in the film room? I, I imagine you guys, like you're watching film with Chad in your case, they're watching film together. When you're competing against the other guy, what's it like being in a film room where they're critiquing both of y'all at the same time and praising you both at the same time? That's got to be a little weirder than you watching film with Bo where you kind of know the deal, right? Like, you know, yeah. you play away if he goes out. But, like, when you're in the midst of a competition, that's got to be a little bit more – I don't know if awkward is the right word, but definitely weird. No, it definitely is weird. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's just funny how it goes. You know, you could have a starter like – drop a couple snaps in his hand, you know, whatever. It's like, all right, all right, no problem. We'll, we'll, just, roll, we'll just roll on to the next play. If it's yeah. like someone – like when I was a back, back up, the bow was like, you know, something really not that big of a deal. I like didn't drop a snap. They said, oh, we'll, we'll just run the play over, run the play over. It's like, what the, what the hell is this? You know, you're like, dude, <laughs> what? Like <laughs> I mean, the ball was a rocket at my toes, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my third string center just walked on campus and I was I'll sit there and be like all right and I look at you know a guy like a freshman or something he's like yeah I I know what I know what you mean but (laughs) no it's it's pretty good it's like I mean look the thing is the film like you know when you go into it you know what you did wrong like you can't hide it you know what the other guy did really really well like Chad had one of the best arms and honestly one of the best athletic quarterbacks I've seen just raw talent wise um and he was just he had better mechanics than me like he was really great only you know it was just sometimes decision making on it was what would haunt him and kind of same thing with Bo but like he can make throws on there I'd be I'd tip my cap and be like dude damn that was impressive like that was a hell of a throw like but you know at the same time like look it is a competition I mean you just want everything to be called out that even that you did good, that you didn't do good. Just hope they see what actually happened, I guess. Um, but yeah, like it, it is still when you are competing, you're like, I mean, it is a little awkward, I guess. But at the same time, like, dude makes a play that you may not be able to make a play. I mean, there's no reason you're still teammates, but like, man, that was a hell of a throw, you know? Yeah, for sure. How do you kind of keep in it mentally? Like, it, say at this point, like, from public facing, they haven't had any sort of traction, or at least so they say. You know, they might have it and keep it close to the vest. I don't know why they tell us, right? So, yeah. yeah, how do you keep saying it mentally? Like, can you feel yourself slipping? Like, like seven days into camp, like, say, I mean, just for an example, like you had a bad day or whatever. It's like, damn, it sounds like Chad has a leg up. Can you sense that while it's happening? And how to, kind of how do you stay in the moment and kind of fight off those thoughts and feelings, if that makes sense. No, you definitely can. I mean, you, you definitely can. Like, you're ending practice, you're on the drive, you didn't see a linebacker cut underneath, you, you, you throw a pick, it ends your drive. It's like you might have gone four for four, but, like, that just turned you over. And the, the other competitor, you know, the guy you're competing against might have had a touchdown on his drive. Might have been just one play, throw it up, 
whoever makes an unbelievable catch, great. But he gets a touchdown written down, like you have a pick and zero touchdowns. You go through the next day and they're like, uh, who should get first team reps? You know, Jackson, you get them. Like you had, you had a better day. And then, you know, you run with the ones on that day. With, if you have some really, really good ones out there, you get first team, you know, offensive line. You get an extra second or two to make your right read, maybe to go to your third read. Because that is, you know, you're you're reading correctly, but you don't take a sack. And like, if you have a couple bad reps, they may give it to the other guy. And again, it can con- kind of compound because it's so short. It's two weeks. So like, yeah, I mean, you can feel it, but to combat it, at the end of the day, you're like, he's got, he's got to tear himself. Like, you don't get down on yourself, but you're gonna say like, you know what, like, screw this. Uh, not screw like in a good way. Like, yeah. watch me. I'm gonna make this throw. Like, I'm gonna prove whoever wrong. Like. You don't really say you don't question your ability. I mean, if you ever question your ability, you shouldn't be there in the first place. Um, so I mean, look, you, you make him feel it slipping, but then you just got to click on in your head, like, all right, today I'm gonna I'm gonna light it up today. Like I'm gonna force it a little bit more. I'm gonna get a little bit more aggressive. Like if it pays off, it pays off. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but you just got to have that mentality. And look, like the thing is, look, I, I, it depends how it goes, right? I mean, you may not get the bid the first game. But you get an SEC play, the guy heavy makes three turnovers in the first half. Like, you still may play. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you can't just go, oh, it's over with. But, you know, Ole Miss goes 6-0, and 7-0. and you, you have a big year. All of a sudden, like, yeah, you, unless someone gets injured, they may start riding with that guy. But you can't – you just can't put yourself out of it. You really can't. You got to be a good teammate. You got to keep working your ass off. And, like, um, you just got to be mentally strong about it. It happens every year. I mean, you had Zach Calzada and Haynes King at A&M last year, and Haynes King's the starter. I think it was either game one or game two. I think it was game two. You know, he snaps an angle at Colorado, and all of a sudden, Zach Calzada – like, expectations are still the same, and now it's Zach Calzada's football team, and it's like, good luck, kid. And so you're right. It's never final. For This this situation is interesting because I think there are – it's not the picture-perfect same scenario as what you were in, but there are some similarities because – Look, yeah. the guy you competed against ended up being one of the best SEC quarterbacks of this millennium. And I, for my money, arguably the greatest quarterback in Ole Miss history. We can have that debate for years. But, you know, even on that crappy year that Ole Miss had, I don't know if there's any quarterback in the country that asked their guy to do more than Chad Kelly in 2016, even though they sucked. He was yeah. – and it turned out to be an incredible player. So, I mean, at least losing out on it, you're like, okay, that guy turned out okay. Like, I can live with this. Yeah, yeah. To say darts that would obviously be a gigantic leap, but he is kind of the shiny new toy that's a transfer. Right. He's a talented kid that presumably has a little bit better arm than Altmeyer and probably kind of a little bit more raw talent. But you and Altmeyer were still both wildly talented, highly recruited kids. It's not like we're talking Rudy Walk on here. And then <laughs> Altmeyer had some had a year or two in the system. How big yeah. of an advantage is it? In fall camp, I imagine it's a huge one in spring. I think you saw it with Dart. The whole chemistry right. with your receivers a year in the system, is that overplayed or is that actually a pretty big advantage in going into a competition like this? Um, you know, I don't know if it's a huge advantage. Uh, but if you, get, if you got there in the spring and you went through seven on seven, like you should – your timing gets a lot better by the fall, yeah. I would say. Um, so, I mean – it. The thing, it's tough. Like, it is weird because, I mean, Dart is like, you know, you see his name everywhere, but, like, Luke, I think, did pretty well last year. I mean, you know, you can say – people can say whatever about the Sugar Bowl, you know, and different things. But, possible you know, situation. 
impossible. I mean, that tip ball, he's got that five yard out of the pick sticks. Like, how do you come back from that? You know, I mean, man's impressive. But like, he did pretty damn well after. Like, you know, that just that was unfortunate. I mean, you know, Matt forced one earlier in that game. I mean, like, I mean, we like, we forget it. It was it was a really bad pick too. So, I actually forgot about that. Where it was like, what exactly did he see? It was so yeah, the same thing. It was just too safety. It was too high. And it was like, what? You know, it's like you forget about that. And you're like, oh, Luke, like you're terrible. Like this, what what, what is this? And it, man, like. That, that was a pretty tough situation, right? I mean, I think Baylor, whatever happened, that's a different story. I, I, man, it's tough to say. I mean, I think Dark should get a lot more accustomed to the system. I mean, like, the only, like, negative thing I would say, I mean, people said he threw, you know, some picks in the spring game. It was just really, like, across the middle with three linebacker bad picks. It wasn't like you thought that that safety barely got over there and made a pick or something, or one-on-one in your man coverage you know, didn't win. It wasn't like, it was really, really forced, like in a lot of traffic. If he gets out of those, which he very well could, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, I, I think he could you know, maybe be the guy, but it's, it's weird when you have a shiny new toy like that and a big name coming in. I don't know how it is as a coaching perspective, but it's almost like, man, he came in here, like, I'm going to give him the best shot he can. A lot of people, I mean, it looks kind of crazy if you don't, I would say, but look, no matter what happens in the day, like, there's a thing called the transfer portal. I mean, which you were like, you were like pre portal, right? You you weren't pre portal. You were pre one time free, right? But that was still prevalent with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't transfer. I had to sit out. I transferred, and it ticked me off. I mean, technically, I mean, that was like when you had to have lawyer days and stuff, and like I don't, I don't know, like you had to go. It was a big deal if you did, and uh, I don't. I mean, like. You know, I had calls to go to other SEC schools, but being in conference, I had to sit out a year. It's not like, you know, I'm going to be a – well, I was going to be a junior, I guess. I'm not going to go down to JUCO and play JUCO and be a senior and come up and – like, that just doesn't make sense. I've been in the SEC. Why the hell would I want to do that? But, like, right. if I go to another SEC school, which I wanted to, I would have sit out a year, then I'd be, like, a senior. So, it didn't – like, I would have to transfer and play that season for it to make sense, and I couldn't do that at the time, I guess. But, you know, you can – nowadays which is great and look there's no other position like the quarterback one if whoever starts ends up being the best in the sec it never gets injured it's like man like that's that's pretty tough you know you get you need to go somewhere and that that's great they have that i just think it's luckily they have that for quarterbacks nowadays i think that's very beneficial yeah because you only get a finite amount of time to play and they like they made the path a lot harder for you guys i mean hell is that calzada you know, they figured out he wasn't the guy. He's now at Auburn. Like, it, it, it is no big yeah. deal now. You just yeah. go same division, no nothing. And I, you're right. I'm glad they have that. It, it, it certainly makes sense, you know, to do it. And it's a shame they didn't have that before. Just from, like, a college kid perspective, is it weird? We all know how the back channel shit works when they're recruiting people off other rosters. Is it weird having other dudes at SEC schools hit you up and you're like, well, I just got out of accounting class. Like, my schedule's pretty set here, but I'll think about it. Like, how strange is that? <laughs> No, I mean, it, it is. It's like, especially to like, you've played them. Let's just say, obviously, you're not a freshman. Like, I was, I've, I've had two years there. Actually, this was three years. So, like, I've played a lot of these schools and I'm not saying you hate them, but like, damn, that feels weird going over yeah. there. But at the same time, like, I, for me personally, growing up in the deep south, like, I wanted to be in the SEC, even if it was SEC East. Like, I was cool with that. And that was the schools, like, I was looking at going to over there. But, uh, I mean, it definitely feels weird when you're watching them and you're, you're so bought into your school because, I mean, the day you walk on campus, you get text to be up at 5 a.m. or middle of the day, you need to be here right now. Like, you, you are 
owned by them. So you give everything to that school. It's weird picking up if you dedicated a couple of years, not, not just one or you know two or three years to be like, all right, peace. Like that was not saying not all not worth it, but it is kind of, kind of strange going somewhere else. But hell, if you know you're walking through a situation, another school that your coach is saying, I'm going to give you absolutely every opportunity to start here. We have a three-year age gap or two-year age gap or other guy tra- you know, backup transfer, like you're going to have everything. Then it's you can kind of leave that behind. And my, I, I think you could by transferring and getting to play right away. We'll get back to Ryan Buchanan in just a second. But first, I wanted to remind you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. Go see Greg. Absolutely the best place in Mississippi to get meat. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, it's rippywrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter from me that's starting back up at the end of this week after a little summer hiatus. And you get a free newsletter from me a couple of times a week, discounted and discounted meats. Right now it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. Football season's around the corner. All kinds of great grilling opportunities. You need to go check them out. LB's is the best place in the Mississippi and the world, for that matter, to get meat. All kinds of delicious cuts, fresh seafood, sausages. Uh, I like the tri-tip filet burgers are always awesome. Spicy ribeye sausage is terrific. Go find your own favorites. It's a staple of the Oxford community. The best place in the world. Oxford is so lucky to have LB's. Check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, back to Ryan Buchanan. 
And you mentioned the, uh, you know, the part of it where like you actually would have a harder path, like you'd have to sit out or do the waiver process, which seems just like a total clown court, right? Like, I mean, you know, back before that went through, who got waivers versus who didn't made absolutely no sense. It's like, yeah. it's just a complete kangaroo court. And so that made it harder. So you mentioned like the loyalty aspect of like, damn, we gave everything we had for, you know, three years to this school would be weird to kind of leave. I imagine what would get you over the edge to leave is if, you know, I don't know, Florida was like, hey, we have an open quarterback position. I'll give you every opportunity. By the way, you don't have to sit out and do anything. Just get to That's me. exactly what it was. Would, yeah, yeah, just be like, okay, I'll do that. Yeah, like I had Will Muschamp called me when he was in South Carolina. because he. Oh, called, it he was Florida. Florida. Yeah, he rec- well, he recruited me when I was in high school at Florida and held off his two other recruits for me and said, look, I'm not letting these guys commit. You have to decide. Then I took an official visit to Ole Miss, and Pastor Hugh sold me uh, <laughs> Ole Miss. And uh, but he's like, all right, I'll go to this other guy. Well, they ended up having like Dris- Driscoll got injured, then went to Louisiana Tech. They're backup, like ended up ended up not being good. And I sat there like behind Bo, and I was like, what the hell? I should have been starting as a freshman or a redshirt yeah. freshman. Like I had everything there. Driscoll was supposed to be the next Tebow five star at the time, and. Regardless, he went to South Carolina by the time three years later or something like that. Okay. When I would have been going into my redshirt junior uh, redshirt junior year. And uh, he was – anyways, he called me and, and it's like it would have been a lot easier and saying, look, come on right here. You know, come on right now. Like, c- come play. And I was just – it was just a weird situation. And I was just like, man, like this is – like I said, the waiver, who gets it, who doesn't. It was so ambiguous. Like, what what the hell is going to happen? Like, it's, a, it's just a lot better. It's clean now. One of the funniest things, this has nothing to do with like anything quarterback battle wise. I'll never forget one of the funniest moments when I was a student reporter was that Georgia Southern game where Chad Kelly gets hurt. And our friend Reverend Hugh never really had a problem putting his, uh, I would say, his players in tough spots. <laughs> and he gets hurt and they're trying to decide between the Shea Patterson red shirt. I believe it was Pellerin was the other guy. I actually, yeah. my greatest mistake ever was believing Hugh Freeze. I covered every game that year. He told us they were going to start Pellerin, and my uh, my editor or my boss at the DM, we had a you know student paper, small travel budget. She's like, we can't fly you. You're going to have to drive. And I was like, Pellerin's playing. I'm just going to watch this from home. And guess who walks out of the tunnel that night in College Station? Shea Patterson. And I was like, all right, I can see what these people mean. But what cracked me up was in the press conference was someone asked about you, or maybe they asked about bringing someone else in, and Hugh brought up your name, and he was like, I don't know. We'll see. Like, you know, that's a possibility without ever talking to you. Like, are you just on the square with the margarita in your hand and start getting texts? I think I texted you. I was like, yeah, you did. Like, what's going on here? And you're like, I think this is the first I've heard of this. Dude, I I, I remember (laughs) I did get that from you. And my Twitter blew up. It was like (laughs) I did the dust off my Twitter for a little bit, like not doing anything, being a student. And like I'm like, why? Why the heck are people saying this? And I got a text from you. You were the first person I read, and I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, I was drinking on the square. Like I'm like 15 pounds heavier, like full of pure beer after 67 games in the season. Like, I mean, it was. I just could. I did like that's not real, you know. Like whatever, that's not real. I man, I had GAs call me. I had an offensive coordinator call me. I had. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I really couldn't believe it. They're like, you've dedicated everything for the school. You know the playbook. We know what you did. You know, you could do. We knew your talent. Like, you know, we saw what you did. It's not that long ago, whatever, like eight months ago in January. Like, you know, going to the Sugar Bowl, 
I read, you know, I went down on red zone drives, you know, half hung over from Bourbon Street the night before. I think that was like my greatest feat ever was trying to hold back from throwing up after we all went out on Bourbon like six, seven days away and, re- and did a six for six red zone. I mean, a uh, two minute drive. I was like, dude, I'm good. Like, I've, this, this is my pinnacle right here as a backup. Um, but they were, they were just, call, they were all calling me, man. Like, and then like, they, Freeze didn't want to call me directly and they just kept bugging me. And I put it all, I was like, man, like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I actually turned my ankle playing basketball. I just had surgery, like, four months ago, just fine. But I was like, dude, if I try to go out in College Station, I think it will be really fun. But, like, I may go into cardiac arrest on the field. Like, you have to see an ambulance without any broken bones out here. And, and I mean, they, and I told them no. And then they kept trying. They kept trying. I was like, damn, like, they're serious about this. Like, you need to, you can be at practice next week. Like, you know, just see how you're throwing it. And, like, you don't honestly, like, a quarterback – at least, I swear, like six, seven years, you really can still spin a football. I mean, you, you just can't. Like, you're anticipating – like, all my training that I've been doing on the side, you know, for the past couple of years of training younger kids, like, I can still spin it. My anticipation, you know, odds are still there. But, like, again, obviously playing in College Station, I've been drinking whiskey every damn Saturday. Like, this is not going to work. But they were legit telling me to come to practice. And they were, like, playing the guilt trip. Like, man, you gave everything to the school. You need to do this for your school. Like, you know, like you stayed here. Like I was like, no, like this is we lost like four offensive linemen. Like I was like, and like this is not a good idea. This is not if we were competing for like the SEC West and we had everybody there. You had Tunsil, you had Connor still there, like before his like third knee injury. If you had everybody there and we're you know, whatever sitting at like eight and one or whatever, eight and two, I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it might not still be a good idea, but I'll try it. Yeah, this is a little different story. I mean, I would have already been a freaking Barstool guy if, if we were able to pull that off and, like, had our full team and win a game after, you know, being a student and putting on 15 pounds. But, yeah, dude, I mean, I, they did call me. I just really couldn't believe it. I finally said no three times. This is stupid and ridiculous. But, yeah, they definitely tried. I remember you were like, where is this coming from? I was like, well, actually, I just walked out of the press conference. Like, this came straight from the head man. This was not some internet thing. You should have sent, you should have sent him videos from our spring break in Belize and just been like, no, thanks. Don't think this is the greatest idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just take a look at his chest now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see this? This is no more abs. So. <laughs> I just thought that, I'll never forget that. I thought that was so funny. It's like no, no shot here. So kind of as we wrap up the quarter, kind of the first part of this, you know, quarterback competition thing, you obviously there comes a point where they have to tell you what happened, like, you know, who they decided going on. I don't remember when it was for you guys, but when that moment comes, what's it like trying to hide your natural disappointment on from the personal aspect of it and balance it with one being a good teammate but two, also the everything you just alluded to, it's not final. What if Chad Kelly sucked? What if, you know, I mean, y'all dropped 70 on UT Martin, those four souls. First, you know, first couple of games, yeah. Yeah, but what if he goes to Alabama and he just completely shrinks in the moment? How do you kind of handle yourself through difficult news knowing it's not over yet, per se? Yeah, I mean, look, you got to have some hope in there. You got to have some belief in there. I mean, it gets, yeah, I'm – I'm pissed off, but I'm still thinking in my head something could happen. He could turn an ankle. It could get knocked out, like something. I mean, let's, you know, I think that's what happened with Shea and Tomu came in when Shea hurt his knee against LSU. Like that was his opportunity and, you know, ran with it and rightfully so. He deserved it. Um, so I'm telling myself, like every day I wake up, I'm, I'm, look, I don't want something 
wrong to happen, but if it does, I'm going to be ready. And you kind of just got to be a savage about it. Like, even if you're not getting first team reps, you still want to show out every single day and say, look, I'm proving you wrong. Like you, like you picked the wrong guy. Look, you, but we went and put up 70 points, whatever, like did real well. And you're going into Alabama and I mean, hell they had, that was one of the games they were saying. And Breeze told me like we're really evaluating how he does in this game, how he handles these situations. And, you know, it, we had five, I think our defense had five turnovers game like chaining ward was a, a freaking refrigerator knocking someone out on the kickoff you know running 20 miles an hour like it it worked out good and you know there's a couple of times like really more in the details that certain things happened in that game in that first quarter to where you know we would start a drive may have to punt but then they turn the ball over on 20 and we don't put in the red zone we kick a field goal Next thing, you know, we throw a touch. We, we get another interception. We're in the red zone. We score a touchdown, like, great, like, up 10-0. Like, we had a lot of things go real good for us off the bat in that game. And there was a couple of things, like, you know, I was told Chad was struggling a little bit, like, in the first quarter. Um, I think it was in the first or start of the second or something. We just kept having all these defensive turnovers. It was awesome. Um, but kept missing someone wide open over the middle. You know, he would tuck it, make two guys move, and get a three-yard gain when we should have hit Quincy, you know, replacing the mic in the middle. You know, yeah. like that was a – like focus what we're doing. If you stayed there, you hit it. And, you know, they'd said, look, Ryan, you're going in next series. I mean, we're, we're done with this. So, I'm like literally on the sideline, finally warming up. Like this is Alabama. This is in, like, this is in Tuscaloosa. And it was like the fourth or fifth series. They go, we're, you're, you know, Chad's going out. You're going in next series. And I was like, this is the moment. Oh. Like this is the moment I wanted. And then – uh because he was just kind of freaking out. Like, it was just missing certain things because loud environment. But we weren't losing. Like, we were, like, up 10-0 because we just, they kept turning over. They went – they were started Cooper Bateman. Denzel pretty much knocked them, you know, to another yeah. world. That and, poor like, guy should be a concussion Yeah, I mean, they started different quarterbacks. Like, that's kind of how it happened. And, and anyways, and then next play is when Chad tossed it up in the middle of defense, hit the helmet, Quincy goes, whatever, 80 yards. And it was like – we're up 23, like 17-3. Like, we can't pull that. Like, you know, obviously, it was awesome. Like, it was, like, one of the best plays in Ole history, but, like, you can't pull a guy on that. Like, yeah. but that was kind of one of the things they were watching. Like, how does he react to the situation? Does he freak out? Is What is he going to do? Like, is he protect the football? Is he running what we want to? Like, our scheme was really, really working, and he was kind of doing some different things. He settled down really, really well in the second half. Like, killed it, man. Like, showed his legs ran away at the game like the, it was one of the, our best game honestly like we watched film the next week and they're like honestly we could have put up like 70 which i do think we could like it was pretty crazy oh, yeah. how many opportunities we missed but we just had five turnovers on nick saban like on a defense i mean that's that's amazing but chad got together and played real well but what i'm saying is like that was kind of like my real opportunity to go hey run with the ones it's sec it's alabama he's missing some things and then whatever goes that way we're staying with him. Things worked out. Calm down. Like, it was great. But it like got that, that but, close. You know, I remember you talking yeah. about one time. People I mean, don't remember was, that because they won the game. But it got that close, correct? I mean, no. Like, and look, dude, I don't know who's going to hear this podcast. Like, dude, I slammed my helmet. Like, I was yeah. on the sideline. I slammed that shit. Like, I was literally so pissed. I, everyone was running to the sideline. Like, I had to go fucking hold a field goal for that. <laughs> I picked it up. But, like, I say you're. I mean, I remember our GAs taking off the headset. You're going in next series, and I was like, "This is where I can show out. This is where I show like I'm a, my calm mentality. Take care of the ball. I know what he's been doing wrong. I know like what I need to do 
to be successful in that situation. <laughs> and then when he threw it up and Alabama decides not to have Butterfingers as safeties, I was like, literally slam my helmet like. And, but it worked out. Look, it worked out. Yes. Chad bought out. But Chad bought out the second half. Is what I mean, he, he absolutely bought out and bought out the rest of the season. Like, dude was already, I would say, the best quarterback in the SEC. Like, people may say Dak or whatever, but, like, I think Chad was the best quarterback. But, yeah, I mean, it – that's it can come down to that is what I'm saying. So like in this quarterback battle, I know we don't have, you know, some big SEC games till later, but uh, yeah, I mean, really don't know. I would say until you're in these situations. Yeah, for sure. And like, no one would blame you for that either. Right. Like it's a weird thing. Like you're pumped. I'm sure that night was one of the greatest night of your lives in a lot of way from going in there and doing what very few people in college football do. But when you get that keyed up and they tell you that, and then that kind of play happens, I mean, I might have done more than throw my helmet. So you could say that was a song. <laughs> but like, I get it. Right? Like, it's a it's a weird place to be in. It's a, but it's fascinating kind of how because no fans remember stuff like that. Like kind of yeah, how I mean, it did go. Nobody, no one knows that. I mean, it's not like they should know that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, whatever. Like, it's just that our team knew that. Or the guys at least around our GA who was signaling place next to you. Like, no one really knows that. I mean, me and like a couple other people. That's it. I've talked to Conyers a couple of times. And I talked to um, – oh, shit. There was someone else on that team, and I can't remember who it was, about just how big of a psycho Kelly was on game day and when he kind of threw that helmet on. And I get – y'all are all like the alphas of the alphas, and you're all keyed up. Oh, Rawlings was the other guy. Yeah. I, I get it. But I've heard stories from multiple dudes just when that guy, like, put on his pads and put his helmet on, he was just like – like, Drew Pomerantz was a little bit this way in baseball from stories I heard. That was a little bit before my time. But, like – how can you how do you describe it because i've just heard ridiculous stories of just what he turned into in a good way for the most part you yeah. having to calm him down what he turned into when he took the field yeah i mean everybody's different i would say like i mean if you could think of how like watch how chill joe burrow is yeah just like imagine the the scene of smoking a cigar and him doing that pregame <laughs> but then also being a savage out there and just like footwork's calm and he performs that way good. Chad performs like playing a hard metal screamo music. Like I'm not saying listen to that. I don't know what he listened to before the game, but like, like just go. And then it, that works for him. And like getting amped up that way, um, you know. And, and he definitely had a more charismatic, all over kind of mentality. I would say than most most guys. But like that's what made him click and perform. I mean, I, you know, that's just everybody's built different. Some people perform better in this position. I'm taking a calmer mentality and just knowing like, all right, this is my read. I'm on this. I'm on this snap count. Like you just a little bit, you, I would say a scientist, but like, I mean, look at Eli, like chills a pill. I mean, yeah. you had to wake him up. Eli face. I mean, the Eli face, like compare that to like Chad. It's just like, hey, everybody clicks differently. Like, yeah, I mean, he, he would be definitely amped up on that. Like I had other different way to go about it, I guess. But um, yeah, he was that way. Yeah, no, I know there's like, there's so you're exactly right. That was a great answer. Cause there are so many different ways to like go about it, but like you could just tell with him cause he's got the eyebrows and like the intense look and like, even on TV, like, did this guy smoke crack? Like what, 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 <laughs> here? Like, what, what, I mean, I wouldn't want to be on the other side of that guy. Whereas just as the same, I wouldn't want to be on the other side of Burrow because it's like, yeah. all right, this guy might stab me without me knowing it. Like he just looks like it's yeah, just going exactly. through the motions. It's just crazy. I'd heard a couple of wild stories about just kind of like how, how that guy was on game day. So as we kind of like wrap up here, 
we'll get into what you're doing now, the, the training quarterbacks, because they still have a long way to go in this competition. And we'll talk about this a ton. And I can't wait to get into like SEC quarterback play as a whole. But, you know, once a quarterback, always a quarterback, right? You mentioned six, seven years after you're done with football, you can still spin it. You might be, you know, 15 pounds of booze and, you know, whatever happens in Cancun or wherever it was we went on that cruise. Um, but, like, you can still spin it. What kind of led you to wanting to continue to teach kids? Because I think that's a cool thing. It's definitely not for everybody, but what kind of wanted to, you know, continue to kind of teach guys the art of playing quarterback? Because I definitely think it's an art. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's it's an art from a physicality standpoint um, and a mentality standpoint. Um, and it, I don't know. I mean, I, I I started doing it at first for like, you know, I, a couple guys that I knew asked me around 10th grade. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you the footwork I learned and stuff and whatever. And then it transitioned into David Morris at QB country um, reached out to me and asked if I want to do it. And I said, look, you know, I'll do it part-time, which really worked out well, just because, you know, Mississippi doesn't have a Houston, Texas or Atlanta or you know, New York sized people in a, in a really small area. So like it would be more on weekends and people driving across the state to see me. Um, and I, I don't know, man, I just kind of wanted to show people, you know, give them what, you know, I wish, you know, I wish I could have gone a step further, but, you know, what, however far I played, like I would love to teach the next guy to give him the opportunities that I did. And whether that's from a mental aspect um, or just, you know, throwing, honestly. And there's, I've learned a lot. I didn't realize really what I could do. It just kind of happened. I didn't have any quarterback training. Like a lot of kids now have trainers everywhere. It's like go on official visits with your trainer, all this. Like I didn't have anything. I didn't really know I could even spin a football, but somehow the way my arm worked and my mechanics, it worked out. And then I kind of critiqued that with David and learned on the, under David how to teach what I did um, and the tempo and the footwork and anticipation. And, and, and honestly, the more I started teaching kids and some of these kids are you know, four star guys that had SEC offers and they're still like they don't understand the anticipation on certain routes. Like and it's weird, like you just you do it so much even though I didn't start, like, just the amount of practices over three years. Yeah. Like, you do it so much. I know the timing on a 15-yard comeback, 10- to 12-yard basic, backside post curl, like, all these different things, what to do with your eyes. And I just kind of combined that with David. I said, like, I want to give – I want to say give back. I mean, I'm making money off of it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good little side gig. But then I started doing it, and I was like, it's cool, like, having a relationship with these guys. I mean, I'll train them from ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. Like, they see I, – I, you know, I want to – become their friend but also their mentor at the same time and you know my coaching I guess what I do it's not like it's high school coaching we have to learn a playbook and just yell at them and chew them out it's more like hey like I think you're better at this Let, let's critique this and see how it works and just like I don't know it's cool to see guys grow to go from here in ninth grade and terrible mechanics and they fix these things and they do it right and man like their actually accuracy gets better the release time and their velocity gets better and it's like Hopefully, I, you can say, like, I had a part in, in doing that and helping this kid get a starting position in high school. Um, and then, obviously, if he gets another opportunity past that, it's it's pretty rewarding just to have that relationship with these guys, and it's been great. Yeah, it's uh, that is badass. And so you're now doing it out on your own now, right? Like, just taking guys lessons. Yeah. Kind, of, kind of give me how that works and just, like, um, how many guys you have, you know, you're coaching now and what, what that process is kind of like. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I just uh, – you know, I took a new job, I guess, and, and you know, my main full-time work and, and may not have as much time. And it was just, you know, when I start training these kids, I get so many people from out of state. It's like you got to stay in every single weekend. You can't travel for just one hour out of your entire Saturday and Sunday, you know, because someone's driving an hour and a half to see you and then 
which is so rewarding. I mean, I love it, but like, it was just taking on these younger kids in seventh grade and eighth grade. It just takes a lot of time and your schedule has to be extremely flexible to be able to do that. Um, you know, late in the afternoons or like almost every single weekend. And I just, I just told them like, look, like a lot, I've learned a lot from you guys. I'm not trying to start my own thing. I just want to cut down. I don't really want to take any new people. Um, so QB country may put, you know, another kid coming out of Ole Miss or state or somewhere uh, to take over this area. I just want to finish out the kids. I've really, really built a relationship and I've seen grow and trust me um, to, to make them better. And they know I have. So that I just want to say like, look, I just can't start like a, well, you know, it's a long-term relationship, but like really train someone all the way up from junior high to high school at this point. I just kind of want to work with the kids that I know and, and take on probably some older kids, you know, sophomore, junior, seniors. Um, so that's really all it is. You know, I'm not trying to roll in and get crank out, you know, 10 kids in a day or every couple of days, see how much money I could bring in. It's more just like, look, like if you really want to get better, you're not just te- – like, I'm not here. It's just a teacher kid how to throw a football 10 yards. Like you just – oh, he just started this position in sixth grade, like – Hey, like, can you make them a good quarterback? I just don't really want to do that anymore. If the kids, you know, going to ninth grade, going to tenth grade, like, wherever, whether he's starting or not, I would love to. I just can't really do the teach me how to throw a football day one. I guess as much anymore. No, I know what you mean because like you mentioned, not only the travel schedule gets overwhelming, and like if you're going to cut down, like, you know, like if I'm like the high school game. kids instead of like the sixth grade yeah. kids that understood, you know, that. FPDS day school intramurals where it's like, okay, you got a weight limit to carry the football here. Let's get it. Exactly. So you take a snap right here. You put your thumbs together and I was like, whatever, like, and like, you know, you can go to games in the fall, whether it's in Oxford or some other place away games, like, sorry, can't, you know, I know us and LSU are competing in the West. Uh, I'm not going to go to Baton Rouge. I have to do a one hour lesson. I mean, so I, I hate that may sound really selfish, but like, I just don't, you know, I don't really try to grow this and do that as much anymore. Yeah, no, yeah, particularly while you're younger or whatever, too. Then it makes sense. I mean, it's it's a part-time gig, kind of do it as you go. That's actually one thing I've had to battle, not that those are related at all, but with, like, the podcast newsletter thing, it's like, this is not my full-time job anymore. Like, I don't have to yeah. feel bad and slave over, you know, making sure X content gets out a week. It's like, this is just a hobby now. It's a hobby. Right, I yeah. love it. But, like, I had a while where I would, like, beat myself up about not getting able to X thing or Y you know, podcast, whatever. And finally, I was just like, just relax and get out what you can and enjoy it instead of just stress over who you're not getting. What it was, and I hate it's not like I hate telling people no in a sense, but just like when I have a little bit smaller group and 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 you know things like that, yeah, and just make it more enjoyable. I mean, I it's not my full time job. I'm not trying to take all these different kids and just make money off them. Like I really want to work with them if they're really bought into me. If they're really bought into the position. They're not just trying it out for the first time. Like. We'll love to work with you. It just may take a little, you know, a couple of weeks, whatever, to do a lesson. That's all. Last thing, you know, when I was te- when I was kind of texting you about what I had in mind for this, and then we talked. I guess that was last night as we record this. I was trying to gauge your interest, which I mean, I knew you were interested, but I was trying to kind of gauge, you know, beyond teaching kids, kind of what you see football wise. I know you watch football, but like kind of what you see quarterback wise, and you like immediately spit out like, "Yes, I've wanted to do this." Like I remember Corral as a sophomore swing route with his feet something you know like very nuanced quarterback and I was like all right I think this will work okay like the the way you still watch quarterback play when you watch football I imagine you watch football a little bit differently like you're you still pretty in tune with you know whether it's the high school level or I don't know Jameis Winston or whoever it is you're still pretty in tune with kind of how guys play the position aren't you yeah I mean it's it's like 
all these different situations. You do a bootleg, reverse out. Defensive ends typically not block. What do you do? Like, what I'm not saying what do you do, but just I'm watching it. And it's whether it's again Jameis on the boot, like, is he freaking out? Just trying to fit it over that defensive end. He gets his fingers on it, and you're like, you can kind of see yourself. I mean, you remember those plays, whether it's a different whatever play. And guys may say that in high school too. You know, it's it's similar to the same thing. And like, you know, when it, whatever the down and distance is, you just watch it on TV. All right, they're they're probably going to play quarters here. You know, you got four deep, and you see that kind of pretty quick, and you see how does the quarterback reacts. I mean, I remember watching Shea Patterson, you had AJ DK, like similar. I mean, it was still a freeze. I, I think it was still a freeze that first year, same place. And I would watch that whole thing, knowing the down and distance of what we had in the play sheet the year before, like an Indy Five route. That Indy Five was has been a you know phase of Laquan at Alabama when he dabbed. It's been a slant on the backside. It's a cover one type throw cover one or cover three, it's just a one high look. He would take it, DK, part, you know, Will goes to the flat. Man, DK's right there on the first down, and he would either not see or just bail out of the pocket and turn his back and then make a guy miss and then get popped for a two-yard gain. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> what? All you had to do is just slide a little bit to get in that window between the tackle and, you know, and the guard, and you hit him. And I like, I, I mean – I knew that because I knew the playbook that year. Like that was pretty crazy going from literally it was I could hardly even go in the stadium actually for like a, the first like six home games. Like I couldn't I even watch it. I just couldn't do it because they're all like some of my best friends. I'm not there. And I was like, it was just killing me. But I remember watch I could I would just watch that so differently, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. He is Ryan Buchanan, MAIS legend, Ole Miss quarterback. The first of many, my friend. I appreciate it. This was terrific. And uh, we'll do this sometime soon. Yep, sounds good. All right, that is our show. I hope you enjoyed the first edition of that. I don't think we're going to name it. Maybe a name comes. Uh, maybe he brings some sort of other European sport that we can talk about as Weldon did with Soccer Corner. We'll just kind of see how that goes. Maybe we'll get a sponsor involved. Who knows? But for now, it's just Ryan Buchanan checking in. What's up? I thought it was a great episode. I learned a lot from it, and uh, I hope you guys did too. That's kind of the uh, the goal for these, as I've said before on this podcast and I told Rob Ryan when I was pitching him, I was like, I never want to be the smartest guy on a podcast because that, that would make for a pretty crappy pod. Anyway, we'll be back with something probably like Saturday, honestly. I might throw in a little midweek show and then probably get welded back on on Sunday. Gotten a little off schedule with uh, some posting stuff. Kind of crowded traffic-wise on the old uh, Oxford Exxon feed, which is a terrific problem to have. So I got some opponent preview stuff coming in the next day or two. So be on the lookout for that. And then I think Walter and I will probably hop back on early next week, Sunday, Monday, before we get to back to a regular Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule when the season gets here. Y'all have a great rest of your week, and we'll check in soon.